If you think about it, prison breaks are the most predictable of all crimes. We lock inmates up in tiny confined spaces, force them to eat terrible food, barely let them see sun. They can't even wear their own clothes. Even worse, we limit their social contact. So the people most inmates talk to are, ding, 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 other inmates, convicted criminals. Of course, prisoners are gonna plan escapes together. So we make it a seemingly impossible task. A prison break is risky, daunting, and deadly. Every precaution is taken to deter felons from busting out. Escaped prisoners have to dodge bullets, swim miles across the ocean, change their names, and even their faces with plastic surgery. And as far as which prison break was the riskiest, that's today, the top 10 most daring prison breaks. Real people who faced insane odds, but were willing to try literally anything just for a moment in the sun. you weirdos. Welcome to the ParCast original, Crime Countdown. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week, we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the ParCast research gods. This week's topic is daring prison breaks. I'm gonna say it, I truly feel like I would be a great prison escapee. I'm not gonna disagree with you. This is something I just know I would excel at. (laughs) I don't even like yard work, so I'm not gonna sit there and imagine digging with a spoon. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, Ash's nickname still is and always was Crash. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not a quiet girl. No, not quiet. And I move around so quietly that I scare my husband on the reg when I enter a room in our own house. I've seen it. Yeah, it happens literally (laughs) daily. So would you say that you're more of like a Danny Mora or a Shawshanker? Oh, I would Danny Mora that shit. Would you? Yeah. No way do I have the patience to slowly tunnel for like 20 years and then crawl through raw sewage. If you take your knowledge from media coverage about prison breaks, like I think most of us do, you would probably think prison breaks are like super theatrical, involved, like a lot of planning. Mm -hmm. But apparently a lot of prison breaks are just people just strolling out of minimum security prisons and usually getting caught. Well, this week, we're not just watching the news coverage of this. We are counting it down for ourselves. The cool thing about this countdown is Elena has five topics and so do I, but we don't know which one the other has. Let's start the countdown. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money. Up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, 
host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. Ten. I'll get us started with number 10 for most daring prison breaks with the escape of California federal prisoners and lovebirds, Samantha Lopez and Ron McIntosh. McIntosh disappeared on October 28, 1986, during an unescorted transfer from the Pleasanton prison to another facility. On November 5th, he landed a helicopter in the Pleasanton Recreation Yard and flew off with Samantha Lopez. Wow. Yeah, no big deal. Now, Lopez was already serving time for bank robbery. Mm -hmm. McIntosh was an Army helicopter pilot during the Vietnam War and was serving time for financial fraud. Okay. They were busy. Yeah, they They, had some things going on. They already knew all about this. Samantha Lopez went on blind faith when Ronald J. McIntosh told her to go to the field every day for a week after he left to be transferred where they first met. So she was just like, okay. If I were her, I'd be like, well, you know, I have things to do also. You know, I have a schedule that I'd like to keep too. I can't just be going into this field every day for you. What do you want me to do here? Federal authorities apprehended them 10 days later. Of course. (laughs) In a Sacramento shopping mall. And they were buying a set of, ready for it? Mm -hmm. Wedding rings. I mean, romance, am I right? sweet. That's cute. They were like, you're going to have to put those down. Yeah. (laughs) McIntosh was additionally indicted for air piracy, you know, for the helicopter. (laughs) You know that helicopter. (laughs) That little thing. They pleaded innocent to charges, because of course, Mm -hmm. of air piracy and escape. They were like, nah, that actually wasn't us. No, that was someone else. I don't know what you're talking about. That was two other lovebirds trying to get out of there. So their defense team believed they could be acquitted because their bond compelled them to act irrationally. They were like, they are just so in love that they went crazy. You know how that happens. You know. Well, they were not acquitted. (laughs) That was not a valid argument. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Nine. At number nine is the infamous John Dillinger and what was not his first escape. In 1934, Dillinger broke out of an escape-proof county jail in Indiana using a fake gun he'd whittled, which he used to force guards to open his cell. Effectively proving that names like escape-proof and unsinkable are just, like, challenges to the universe. Yeah, TBT to the Titanic. (laughs) TBT. Not unsinkable. (laughs) Well, Dillinger escaped from Alima, Ohio jail just months earlier. He orchestrated the beginning of his escape with a wooden gun. That's a bold move. It is. It's a a bold move. Craftsmanship went into that. Let's see if it works out for him. (laughs) I'm going to go with that it doesn't. (laughs) Well, his fatal mistake was stealing a sheriff's car and crossing the Indiana-Illinois line. So that's a mistake. Did not work out. Uh, At that point, the FBI could officially begin a manhunt, and they were like, let's do this. We're ready. We are ready. Because then, Dillinger robbed, like, several banks after he escaped. So they're like, really? He had no chill. You're not just going to lay low for, like, a solid week or so? No. Zero chill, that dude. And then J. Edgar Hoover named him America's very first public enemy number one. What a distinction. (laughs) 
If I had that title, yeah. that would stress me out. I'm not going to lie. That's a pretty cool title. <laughs> no, that's what exactly like, what you would want to be, I feel. In the worst way. Yeah. But, I mean, whatever. It's a distinction. It is. I'd rather be like, America's sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> you would be. Oh, thank you. Well, Dillinger was finally taken down when he was turned into the FBI by his lover's friend. Ooh. That's like the very first recorded I hate your best friend moment. Honestly, it really <laughs> in is. In couples history. Also, whenever anybody says his lover, I just think of like, lover boy. Lover boy. <laughs> eight. Number eight on our list of daring prison breaks, the once elusive Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. El Chapo had previously escaped prison in 2001 by bribing his guards, but his escape in 2015 from the Ataplano Maximum Security Prison was more complicated and included sneaking into a tunnel. Ooh. So he escaped in 2001 in a laundry cart. The best escape. Yeah, and some people dispute this testimony, probably because it's in every prison movie ever. Literally sure. every movie ever. You yeah. just see somebody like whistling as they're like pushing a cart and they're like, why is this so heavy? Because I always wonder, I'm like, if they're not in on it and they're just pushing a laundry cart, like the people before that had to wonder, why does this laundry cart feel like it contains a grown man? And they're like, that's and not just laundry. crazy. And they're like, this is just a lot of laundry. So he escaped in 2015 through the personal showering area in his cell and that led into a tunnel. Okay. So thank goodness he had that personal sound. I mean, thank goodness. Or like, not thank goodness. I mean, not thank goodness, but thank goodness for him. So the tunnel that he escaped through was lighted and ventilated and nearly a mile long. That's not like that long. So, well, they were, well, I mean, when it's a tunnel that well, you're escaping. Tunnel, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and this indicated to some people that he had help in building it. But at least it's ventilated and well lit. Take yeah. a quick selfie in well, there if you the need thing. to. It's, it's luxurious. It is. Really. So I feel like somebody helped him. So at the time of his escapes, he was considered the world's most powerful drug lord. I mean. Another big distinction on big the list. Big title. Big title. He was planning another escape in 2016, but that one didn't happen because he was extradited to the United States. Bummer for him. Bummer. He was eventually transferred to Colorado's ADX Administrative Maximum Facility in Florence, which was deemed to be escape-proof. Everything is deemed to be escape-proof. And I think we just talked about the fact that when you say escape-proof, that's just a challenge. I was just, like, it's just somebody that wants to be like, well, is it, though? Seven. At number seven this week, bank robber Willie Sutton, making his escape from prison along with 11 other men in 1945. The men worked in pairs for 30-minute shifts, digging a tunnel using spoons and flattened cans to finally escape the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philly. I love the spoons. I told you in the beginning of this, I do not have that patience. You don't? No thanks. Well, to escape, they dug a 31-inch opening through a wall of the cell. Which is like 31 inches is not that long. Yeah. Oh, you think it is? Well, for with spoons. With spoons. I keep thinking of what they're using to dig with. I'm thinking of their bodies having to go through that. You're right. Like that's not that big of an opening for a grown person because that wouldn't work out for you. (laughs) It's not gonna work. Mm -mm. So they did that, and then they dug 12 feet straight down into the ground with their spoons, and then another 100 feet out beyond the walls. I'm most amazed that they were able to stay committed to this the whole time. Like, I would get 
I get like two shifts into this and I'd be like, well, guys, it's been real, but we're just going to stay here forever. Like, I honestly would have broken my spoon like four minutes into this. Like pat pat on the back. Good try, everybody. <laughs> Seriously. See you later. Well, Sutton only had about three minutes of freedom, which Ooh. like same probably. <laughs> I don't even know if I'd get to that point. After he and his fellow escapees used the intricate tunnel that they had built to escape. Ooh, egg on your face. Go through all that work and you're and like, three minutes. a good three minutes of sunshine. It was great. After they were returned, this sucks. They were put in Klondikes, which are illegal dark cells. And you're going to hate this. In these cells, you can't stand all the way up or lie all the way down. So you're just kind of like mushed. That makes me want to scream. Why do these even exist? It sounds like a really bad nightmare where you're like, I I don't like it. It makes me want to stretch. Yeah, I I have such a, I'm like, I need to touch the ceiling. (laughs) I need to lay down. I need space. Woof. Willie was always armed during these robberies, but even those who were present said that he was super polite through his crimes. <laughs> um, he actually felt a lot of pride in not having to use his weapons. I mean, whatever is a feather in your cap, I guess. Just stick that right in there. You're like, hello, I'm very polite during my armed robberies. Hello, I'd like to rob you, please. How do you do? <laughs> <laughs> he was also known as the actor, or this is my favorite, Slick Willie. <laughs> I love that's that the one. best because of his penchant for disguises when robbing establishments. I will not lie. Willie kind of rules. <laughs> I mean, I kind of would have been into him at this time. I it's feel like Willie's pretty cool. He, you know, in a 1947 escape, Sutton and his crew dressed as prison guards. And when the searchlights hit them, he just yelled, it's OK. <laughs> and no one stopped them. He's like, it's all good down here. I love that. Like, Willie's the best. And it's like, what else was he going to yell? Like, oh, sorry. He was I'll just, go back. Would he just yell like, this is not okay. We <laughs> are not prison guards. <laughs> we are inmates. I like that he was just like, it's okay, guys. It's all good. I got this it's one. It's okay. Six. Also on our list at number six, Father John Gerard and his escape from the Tower of London in 1597. Mm. A lot of people attempted to escape the tower in many different ways, but Father John Gerard's escape is legendary and has been nicknamed the Great Citrus Fruit Escape. I would like to know more, please. (laughs) Like, tell me more. Gerard was a Jesuit priest, and that was a very dangerous thing to be during Elizabethan England. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Not a good thing to be. He was imprisoned under Queen Elizabeth I's Protestant reign. Mm-hmm. Father Gerard was tortured. Oh, no. As was most people in the Tower of London, you weren't having a good time. Like, as were most people in that time. Not a great time just to be, basically. Uh, They hoped by torturing him that they would get him to confess to treason just so they could execute him because they were like, we'd really like to get him gone. And he's like, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm not guilty. And also, I don't want to die. I'm not going to do it. And I need to use orange juice somewhere. So let's do it. What? What he used orange juice for. I knew knew that was going to be like, well, what? (laughs) Like, excuse me? (laughs) He used orange juice to create invisible ink that he used to secretly write letters that he exchanged with other prisoners. And they all planned the escape. Wow. Like, Father Gerard doing it. Okay, sir. Doing it. Father Gerard also lived to be almost 73 years old after escaping. And his drink of choice was a screwdriver. Sure was. Right? <laughs> sure was. Six. 
Wow. The podcast research gods are killing it. They are killing it. I'm going to give it to them. They, I'm also learning a lot throughout this. Right. History. Hello. Am I right? And they gave me knowledge of Willie Sutton. And for that, I will be in their debt for quite some time. Forever grateful yeah. for slick Willie knowledge. I am waiting to see if one particular one pops up on the list, but I have faith in them. Who are you waiting for? I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Hi, listeners. There's a new Spotify original from Parcast you do not want to miss. It's called Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers, and it uncovers the most damning details surrounding history's most high-profile leaders. Every Tuesday through the 2020 election, host Ashley Flowers shines a light on the darker side of the American presidency. From torrid love affairs and contemptible corruption to shocking cover-ups and even murder, she'll expose the personal and professional controversies you may never knew existed. You'll hear some wildly true stories about presidents such as Richard Nixon, Thomas Jefferson, Teddy Roosevelt, JFK, and more. Very Presidential highlights the exploits you never learned in history class, but probably should have. Family drama, personal vices, dirty secrets. These presidents may have run, but they most certainly can't hide. Follow the fantastic new series, Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our list of daring prison breaks. We're going back to 1975 when American Billy Hayes got himself out of a Turkish prison while serving time for possession of hashish in an escape made for Hollywood. Ooh, I'm into it, right? I'm ready. So Billy Hayes was an English major and he left college in search of great adventures to write about. He As had one does. a big sense of wanderlust. Who doesn't? And he wanted to be just like his hero, Jack London. Of course. So he was arrested at the airport in Istanbul, trying to board his plane while carrying four pounds of hashish. Mm. It's like, maybe like take a little less with you. A bit risky, one might say. You know, especially when you're like going in a foreign place. Yeah, you don't want to do it. You don't know what to expect. Well, he was given a life sentence. That punishment seems like... A little disproportionate to the crime. Yeah, little harsh, Gretch. Maybe that's just me. Hope you got that reference. Hope you did. Well, after five brutal years, he began planning his escape without any assistance from anyone in this prison because he was like the only foreigner there. Yeah. So he's all by himself. Wow, Billy is doing it. I'm tone deaf, huh? You know, it's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, his escape was super adventurous, so he got his craving for adventure. He sure did. Um, It involved, are you ready? A stolen boat. Oh. Miles of rowing. I'm already out. I, I was going to say, as soon as I have to row, I'm like, well, like, I'll just sit in the jail cell. They <laughs> yeah. have free lunch. I would just sit in the rowboat and wait. I'm like, oh, just come and get me. I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> he had to evade landmines. What? 
big task. He had to swim across the Maritza River into Greece, which this all just sounds basically like the worst triathlon ever. You do not get a jacket after this one. (laughs) I don't know what you get. Probably leg cramps. You get a lot of things, but not a jacket. Nothing good. He basically Shawshanked to the extreme. He did. It just didn't take him the full time, I guess. Did not. He also dyed his hair and mustache black to blend in. But this didn't really work out for him. It never does. No, it doesn't. Because he was caught by a Grecian guard. And that Grecian guard then decided to phone the U.S. because there was no love lost between Turkey and Greece. No, there was not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like whenever they try to, like, be a cosmetology major after these things, it Mm. fails every time. It does. Because because they they draw attention to themselves because they're not good at dyeing their hair. (laughs) Dyeing your own hair is very hard, I will tell you. And also, if you dye your hair black, a lot of times it looks like shoe polish. You really gotta, you gotta do it right. So people are probably like, Who's that weird guy over there? Why does his check head him out. look like a shoe polish thing? <laughs> Why does he look like one of those shoe polish <laughs> thingamajigs? Surprisingly, he later said that he needed to go to jail at the time because he did a lot of growing up there. I mean, there's other ways you can do your growing up. I at least he sure. looks back on it and was Fondly. like, you know what? It was it was fine. I learned a lot. It was a time. And I don't know if you've ever seen, have you seen the Midnight Express? Yes, I have. So that is based on him and his wow. escape. I always actually think of Midnight Express whenever I'm in the airport and someone like gets really angry that they have to be searched or something. I'm like, this is very Midnight Express. Oh, no, I've actually never seen it. Four. Landing at number four this week is another man whose story got the Hollywood treatment. Legendary con man Frank Abagnale. In 1971, a U.S. Marshal forgot to give Abagnale's detention papers to the prison in Atlanta. Like, wow. How do you forget to do that? He was able to convince the guards that he was actually an undercover prison inspector posing as an inmate sent by the FBI. Wow. What a cover story. I feel like that would take a lot of convincing. I love it. Well, he did it. In 1971, prisons were being condemned by civil rights groups and investigated by congressional committees because they were like, what's? going on in there? There's a lot of mishappenings. You guys got a lot of humans in there. What <laughs> is exactly going down? Abingnail built up this fake alibi over the next several weeks. So he was like, let's do this. Let's commit. He was ready. And he did it until guards trusted him enough to meet an accomplice in a car outside the prison gates. See, this is what I was saying in the beginning. This is what I would do. It is what you would do. He had his friend pose as his fiance to come visit him. And she forged a business card that would give him the backup so that his prison inspector story looked plausible. That's brilliant. They planned this out. You have to. I love the planning. I do too. The logistics and, you know, the schematics that are going into (laughs) this. Schematics. I just love it. And he praised the guards on, quote, figuring out that he was a prison inspector. And since it was 9 p.m., the office number on his card, it couldn't be reached. Oh, how coincidental is that? So crazy. He was sentenced to jail in three different countries over his lifetime, including France, Sweden, and America. I hope he had a lot of those business cards. He saw the world. (laughs) He had escaped from police custody on two separate occasions before the age of 22. Wow. He was real busy. I didn't do anything as impressive as that. I mean, I'm 24 and I've barely done anything thus far. What's even crazier? He now works with the FBI in preventing cons and frauds. If you're going to have someone, he's the best guy to have. He's it. And if you've ever seen Catch Me If You Can, 
the movie. It has Leonardo DiCaprio playing him. Oh, wait. I feel like I have seen that. It's a good movie and that's him. Wow. I didn't know that. Your life means something when Leonardo DiCaprio plays you. Yeah, it does. That's my goal. My life means something when Leo's on my screen. (laughs) When Leo plays me in a movie, that's when I know (laughs) I've made it. Let's, Let's put in a call. Three. Number three on our list of daring prison breaks, the escape at Danamora of Ricky Matt and David Sweat. After months of planning, these two men cut, chopped, coerced, and connived their way. We love an alliteration. We do. <laughs> out of a maximum security prison in the wilderness of upstate New York. And the media called this a bold escape for the ages. <laughs> Like, that sounds whoa. like the new summer novel, A Bold Escape for the Ages. I would honestly read that. That's I know. A, you know you what that would. is? It's a beach read. It is. That's why you would read it. Yes. I would run as far away from that as possible. <laughs> You'd be like, that sounds like a bunch of crap. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> this is also the escape I was hoping would be on the list. Oh, it was? Yeah, it was. Okay, well, let's talk about it. So this breakaway starts with a bromance. Of course it does. Matt and Sweat first met in the honor block which is cells for inmates who display good behavior. So just two bros behaving, you know, for now. (laughs) They were enjoying a bromantic prison yard walk together when they noticed this speed bump looking pipe. And they're like, yo, this is the same pipe that we're going to use to escape. Oh, they were just like, you want to shimmy through this pipe with me? Let's be bros on the outside. So the first time Matt and Sweat explored the escape tunnels, they referenced the movie Shawshank Redemption. Of course. And they joked about doing it quicker. Oh, oh you're going to do it quicker than 20 years? You know, <laughs> groundbreaking. Wow, you guys really set that bar high. Real high. So there was assistance from two corrections officers, including Joyce Mitchell. Ooh, I remember gonna, this. That's going to sound familiar to you. Oh, yeah. So she had been investigated earlier by prison officials when they suspected that there was like this secret romance going on between her and David Sweat. That's a bad idea. Like, maybe don't keep it that into company dating. Yeah, don't do that. You're not supposed to do that. It's one place where I'm like, yeah, maybe don't date. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, no, don't do it. It's going to get weird, I, I assure you. It certainly is. So their entire escape did actually take a lot less time than the Shawshank Redemption. Well, that's good. It only took less than an hour. That, so less than the Shawshank. <laughs> Much less. A little less. They managed to elude police for three weeks. I remember this. I remember this too. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because I somehow like blocked this out and then I was reading this list and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> there it is. Whoa. I wanted it to be on the list because I remember over on the East Coast here in Massachusetts, we're like, okay, stay in New York. Like, don't, well, and don't me cross and that border. Massachusetts was freaking out because my dad, little sister, and little brother live in upstate, upstate New, New York. York. And I was yeah. like, don't go to my dad's backyard. Don't do it. Don't do it. The contraband, which was like glasses with lights, Joyce Mitchell had given this to them. They found it in the tunnel after they escaped. So, so they just tossed them. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, we don't need it anymore. He did not love you. And Joyce is like, wow, I worked really hard to get That's those. real nice. <laughs> what I do you think good. of my gift? Very underappreciated. So Matt considered taking a person hostage when they were almost discovered. But Sweat was like, yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> Bad idea. No, no, no. Because these dummies always take it too far. It's That's like, the thing. It's like Dillinger robbing a bank right away. It's like, just chill. Just go live in the wilderness for a bit. Yeah, just calm down. So I'm glad to see, like I said, Danny Mora. 
I on guess, this list. I guess you were waiting for yes, it. Yes, because I all I could think of was it, that was like a really scary time. It was. Especially for the East Coast, because we didn't know where they were going to end up. Mm-mm. They were in the wilderness somewhere. We were like, they could pop over the border. It's not that far. And, and you already escaped prison. So. Exactly. And little, like, fun, crazy fact, when I was super little, like a baby, there was an escape from Bridgewater State Prison mm-hmm. here. Which is right near us. Right near us. And the person ended up in our backyard. And there were, like, police helicopters and police everywhere telling us to stay in the house. They were, like, yelling at everybody. I'm really bummed that I wasn't born I know yet. you weren't born yet because all we had was woods behind our house and they were thinking he was hiding out in the woods somewhere and those woods were dense yeah and I, I mean I was a baby I was not being like wow this is crazy you I might was have just been. hoping that I would you know go to sleep in the next hour or something but <laughs> I'm sure it was crazy for my mom and my sisters definitely prison escapes am I right At number two is The Escape from Alcatraz for Frank Morris and John and Clarence Anglin in 1962. Over the course of a year, they used crude tools, so worse than spoons, I guess so, to carefully dig a tunnel in their adjacent cell walls that led them to an unused service corridor. That's smart. You gotta have Alcatraz on the list. From 1934 to 1963, no one had ever successfully escaped or survived an escape attempt other than these three men. Wow. So this was real daring. It was big. So the three of them, this is so crazy. The way that they did this was they actually made heads, like actual heads. Like replicas of their heads. Out of a mixture of soap, toilet paper, and real human hair. Like, real gross. Just collections. So I'm like, were you just going around, like, scooping it out of drains? Ew, That's probably. Real like, gross. Y- like, getting it out of your brush. Yeah, I don't love that. Yuck. And they left these heads in their beds to fool prison officers making the nighttime inspections. Yeah, I used to do that all the time when I would sneak out at night. You made a head out of soap, toilet paper, and real human hair? All the time, Alina. Collected from your fellow inmates? <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> I remember that time. Yeah, right? Uh, they escaped through a ventilator grate. And the plan, once they got out of there, was they were going to steal clothes, they were going to steal a car, but no thefts were recovered despite the high-profile nature of this crime. So it's like, what exactly happened? So what? It was like, wait, they had a plan. So what happened? Well, a packet of letters sealed in rubber and related to the men was found by boat operators, and a homemade life vest was too. But the inmates were never found. Because it's like, did they... Escape. I think they drowned. They definitely That's might just have. me. There are several theories that exist about, you know, speculating about what happened. A 2013 letter to the FBI, if real, suggests the Anglin brothers and Frank Morris survived. Wow. I don't know. And then they just like turned their lives around and never did crimes I again. Just, I just think it's I, it's a lovely thought, but no, but I just don't see it. That ain't it. Well, the FBI officially closed the case on December 31st, 1979, but the U.S. Marshal Service continues to investigate it just in case they're still alive because there is, we don't know. Maybe we'll find them one day. We have no proof either way. You just never know. One. And that brings us to number one on our list of daring prison breaks. It is the rightfully named Great Escape, and its mastermind, Roger Bushel. 
The Great Escape was an attempt by Allied prisoners of war to escape a Nazi maximum security work camp in the latter half of World War II. That is a great escape. A great escape. I'm into it. So the design features of the camp had like loose, collapsible, sandy soil, and that made it almost impossible to escape from. That's where nightmares come from. It's like quicksand. Yeah, you're in a nightmare, and then to get out of the nightmare, there's more nightmare. All the nightmares. From April 1943 to March 1944, over 600 prisoners worked together on this project. When do you ever hear of 600 people working together on anything? Never. Really? I am not a group project kind of girl, but if there were 600 people, I might be more into it. Yeah, and this is a good cause. It is. They dug three tunnels and they nicknamed them Tom. And this one was hidden under a dark corner. Dick was underneath a bathroom drain. I know what the third one's going to be. And guess what? What did you think it was? Harry. Yes. Tom, Dick, and Harry. Underneath a stove. I love that. So 4,000 bedboards, 62 tables, 34 chairs, 76 benches, 635 mattresses, 192 bed covers, and 161 pillowcases were used to help with this tunnel construction. Wow. I just love the property damage. Things. All the things. I love the property damage. You're like, like, yeah. Hell yeah. Damage that property. Do it. Do it. They were able to get their hands on convincing ID papers after they bribed German guards. And then once they got a camera, they were able to replicate the papers. Wow. So they were like really crafty. Man. So Roger Bushel had previously escaped from enemy hands two times. Wow. He was unsuccessful. Well, you know. But Of the 76 people that escaped, 73, unfortunately, were recaptured after a massive Nazi manhunt was undertaken. That just makes me sad. This is a very sad ending. And more sad. Of those 73, 50 were to be executed as demanded by Hitler. All that work. All that work. That's so So frustrating. Ugh, I hate that. I do too. Having The Great Escape as number one was definitely the perfect choice. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, that one was definitely the riskiest. Yeah, for sure. That is the most daring, I would say. Easily. Absolutely. So I agree with that. I'm like, you know what, Parkhouse Research Gods? You killed it. Hats off. But. She's still trying to prove you wrong out here. But. What? Where is Ted Bundy? He had some pretty gnarly prison escapes. Okay, good point. Didn't he lose like a ton of weight in like a week span or something like that? He went on like a hunger strike just so he could fit in the like uh, air vent so he could get out of there. And then he like escaped into the wilderness. Because he escaped multiple times. He did. And the other escape that's crazy is when he was in a courthouse and he was in the library up there and he convinced someone because he's him he convinced someone to unshackle him and then he just dove out a window while they were just standing there in and then he broad was like, daylight. See ya. And he just Bye. dipped. So those are pretty crazy to me. I'm just saying. I mean, it could have been somewhere on the I list. I don't know. I don't know. Did I best you, Parkhouse Research Gods? I don't know. But where would it have been on the list? I would put him. I mean, that was a pretty good one. I would say at least like top five. I would say he could be five. Maybe even six, because maybe he doesn't deserve like top five based on the top five. I'll put five or six in there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. 
And you can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Spotify has all your favorite music and podcasts all in one place. They're making it easier to listen to whatever you want to hear for free on your phone, computer, or smart speaker. If you can't get enough creepy crimes, check out our After Crime Countdown podcast playlist on Spotify, where we've handpicked even more episodes about this week's stories we think you'll enjoy. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, follow our social media on Instagram at Morbid Podcast and on Twitter at A Morbid Podcast. Bye. Thanks, guys. Crime Countdown was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kevin McAlpine. Produced by John Cohen, Jonathan Ratliff, and Kristen Acevedo. Crime Countdown stars Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. It's the most powerful position in American politics, and arguably the world. But behind the oath to preserve, protect, and defend lie dark secrets posed to leave some legacies in disgrace. Don't forget to check out the new Spotify original from Parcast, Barry Presidential with Ashley Flowers. Every Tuesday through the 2020 election, host Ashley Flowers shines a light on the darker side of the American presidency, exposing wildly true stories about history's most high-profile leaders. To hear more, follow Very Presidential with Ashley Flowers, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.